0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Boutosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to to our likeness. Now we know that this is creation. We know that uh, Genesis chapter one up until this point is the record of God creating, forming, speaking into existence, the earth and the realm that you and I live in today that we call earth, that we call home, we call the world. And, And so up until this point, We've had five days of creation and God has just been speaking things and it's been happening. Let there be light and there was light. Stars are being put into place and and and, and the earth and the waters are being divided and, and all these different realms and all these different things. Seeds are going in the ground and they're bearing forth fruit and then those things will eventually give more seed put in the ground and continue the multiplication process. But here we end on, Or or We end up here, verse 26, on day six, and God says, I'm going to put my greatest investment in man. I'm going to, let's make man in our image according to our likeness. And then look at these words. He says, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Those are significant words. This is not just some random words put in the Bible. Let them uh, uh, have—I don't know—dominion. Give them some dominion. No, he—he knows exactly what he's doing. He's created man in his image, in his likeness. You know, we've heard we've, we've we've said this before: image and likeness. We're not talking necessarily about physical attributes. We're not talking about what you literally look like, and that would be impossible because God is now representative through all. Represented through all these different images and these beings and these creations on earth. And, it, it, you know, none of us really look that much alike. So we're not talking just about physical features. He's talking about function and design. He's talking about how we're going to operate in the earth. Let them function like we function, let them operate like we operate. Let them have access to what we have access to. Let them be able to do what we can do. This is how he's created man. This is the template. I just love it. When God created you, he went and found himself as the template. He said, nothing else will serve as a template. Nothing else will serve as a pattern. Nothing else uh, uh, will will suffice. I'm going to have to use myself. I'm going to have to use me. And I want man to operate because what I'm going to call them to do and what I'm going to assign them to do and what they're going to be responsible for, they're going to need my abilities, my empowerment, my way of thinking. When we talk about function, we're talking about things like this, how I talk, how I think, how I react or how I respond to situations. We're talking about capabilities, what I'm capable of. This is everything he put into man. And he said, they've got to look like us. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the water, the birds of the air, the heavens, and over the cattle, the land, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, He created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, how many of you are thankful that God has given blessings, that God doesn't just say, go do something, but then he blesses you or empowers you to do it. And he blessed them and he gave them instructions. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the thing we have to understand. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Where I do not understand the purpose for something, I am at risk of misusing it or abusing it operating it outside of its function or its design, what it was originally designed to do. Everything on this planet, everything that exists, including you and I, has a purpose. And every single person at some point in time, at some point in their lives have asked this question, why am I here? Why do I exist? Why is there a God? Why, why, why? The most important question you can ever ask and answer is the question, why? Everything starts with why. And so if I don't understand the purpose for something, the why, purpose always answers the question, why? Purpose always answers the question, why? If I don't understand the purpose, I will misuse it. I will abuse it. If I do not understand the purpose for Advil, I will misuse it. I will abuse it. I will not operate it according to its design and its function. So anything that I do not understand the purpose for, I run the risk of abuse. If I don't understand the purpose for my job, I will abuse it. If I don't understand the purpose for my spouse, In getting married, and what marriage is uh, uh, about, I will abuse it. It's called marital abuse. If I don't understand the purpose for my children, I will abuse it. If I don't understand the purpose for church, I will abuse it. Anything we do not understand the purpose for, why it exists, I mean, we, we have gun conversations in our nation today because individuals don't understand the purpose for a weapon, therefore they misuse the weapon and now we're at risk. And anytime you abuse something, you cause damage. Something that was designed to be helpful becomes harmful. Something that was designed to be beneficial, beneficial to your life now becomes dangerous, to your life, anything. And so when we're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, when we see this word kingdom in the word, we need to understand that this word is God's original intent. The kingdom of God was God's original intent. I know we've probably all heard of multiple reasons why we were created, you and I. And many of them are, are sound. Many of them are, are, are uh, sound thinking in the sense that it is things that you can derive from our creation. I've heard people say we were created to worship. Well, you know, that's important to worship. It's important to understand worship and the power of worship. And it's, it's important to understand our ability to praise and worship and glorify a great and almighty God, an almighty King. I've heard people say we were created for relationship. Well, relationship is important. But God did not create us because he was lonely twiddling his thumbs and said, I need somebody to talk to. He was alone without man. There's a difference between loneliness and being alone, by the way. You can be alone, but not lonely. Can I get an amen? Okay. So God's not, uh, 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 you know, twiddling his thumbs around until man shows up and says, you know, what am I going to do? I'm just all by myself. Well, hey, I'm sovereign God. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to create some friends. (laughs) That sounds like a really, really bad plan to get some friends, right? And so. Uh, Although worship is important and relationship is important, we have to find out what was God's original design, God's original intent for mankind. This is the most important question that we can ask, and this is the most important thing that we can discover. First thing we need to understand is that God is a king. God is a king. Now that word king, that is a government position. A king is a royal position. A king is a government official. We just want to break it down, okay? A king is someone that exercises dominion over a kingdom. And the Bible repeatedly, numerous times, uh, reveals that God is a king. God is an almighty king. God is a sovereign king. God is a powerful king. The Bible tells us there is power. Uh, uh, Where the word of the king is, there is power. The Bible tells us these things. The Bible tells us that God is a king and God ruled a kingdom because you cannot be a king without a kingdom. It's impossible. I'm in charge of what? I don't know. Uh, We need some territory. We need, uh, you you know, you got to have dominion and a domain. And the word kingdom literally is king's domain. That's literally what that means. And so God was a king. And God was a king in a realm called heaven. God is superior. God was king. God was in charge, not because anybody put him in charge. You know, God didn't get voted in. And guess what? He ain't getting voted out. Whether you like it or not, he's king. Whether you like it or not, Jesus is Lord. It's just a matter of will you confess him as Lord of your life, of your territory, of your domain. Amen. But God is a king, and God exercised his uh, uh, kingdom authority, his kingdom dominion in a realm called heaven, unseen, can't see it, spiritual, God is a spiritual being existing in a spiritual environment called heaven. And here in Genesis chapter one, what we see is a, a powerful term. And if you don't mind, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be teaching a little bit. Is that okay? We're going to teach the word of God. Then we're going we're, we're to break this down. and We want to see this line upon line that God wanted to enact a very powerful opportunity called colonization. Every king desires to expand. It's inherent within any king. To expand beyond their current domain or their current sphere of influence. And so this this idea of colonization shows up. And this idea of colonization means I'm going to take my rule, my, my, my sphere of influence, my realm of authority, and I'm going to extend it beyond my current location. So God is a king. He's ruling in heaven. And he says, I want to extend my kingdom beyond the invisible to the visible. I want to extend my rule and my authority beyond the spiritual. And I want to move it into the natural. And so guys, the earth was designed to be an extension of heaven. The earth is a visible representation of an invisible realm. You gotta see this. The earth is a natural environment reflecting a spiritual environment. This is what God designed. This is what's taking place here in Genesis chapter one. In fact, I didn't throw this verse in there, so if you could find it for me and, and, and pull it up, Psalms chapter 115. Psalms chapter 115. And um, if you have your, your Bible, you can always turn there with us. I promise if you bring a Bible, I'll, you'll use it. I promise it won't be, it won't be a waste. Oh, I brought this Bible, What even bring this thing for No, you'll use it, I promise. Psalms chapter 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. This is what you gotta understand is that God owned and ruled heaven by right of creation. He created it, therefore he gets to rule it. Therefore, it it belongs to him. Again, nobody had to put him in charge. Nobody had to say, okay, God, we'll, we'll let you rule. He got, he ruled over heaven because he created it, because he designed it, because he manufactured it. Therefore, he owns it and he rules it. And so God created the heavens. God created the invisible realm. But then in Genesis chapter one, where we pick up in the word, we see God extending his rule and extending his kingdom beyond an invisible spiritual realm into a visible natural realm. That was step one. Step two was to put something or someone in charge of this new territory. To put something or someone. Now, God could have Uh, said, you know what? I'll I'll rule it all. I'll just control and, 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 and dominate it all. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. In Genesis chapter one, verse 26, what God does is he creates man. And this is why we are designed and created in his likeness and in his image, because we are here to carry out on the earth, what God carries out in heaven. This is what you got to understand. You're not here to be dominated by the earth. You're here to dominate the earth. That word dominion means to govern. It means to rule. It means to exercise authority. That word dominion, let them have dominion. It means to govern. It means to rule. It means to exercise authority. Why would you and I need dominion, need authority, if we weren't in charge of anything? If God's just gonna do it all himself? No, that's not God's design. That's not God's plan. And this again is why we abuse God's plan because we don't understand the purpose for God's plan. We don't understand God's plan. We don't understand what God was desiring to do from the very beginning. Uh, Guys, we have this as one of our points. If you can pull this up, it should be point number one, I believe. It's kind of long. That's why we put it on the screen for you. You can write it down or take a picture of it or whatever works, but this is in essence what God was desiring to do in Genesis 1. God's founding motive for creating the earth was his intent to share his governing authority with his spirit children, that's you and I, by extending his invisible rule to a visible realm for the purpose of colonizing the earth with the culture of heaven. I know it's kind of long, so we'll, bring it, we'll break it down again. God's founding motive for creating the earth was his intent to share his governing authority with his spirit children, by extending his invisible rule to a visible realm for the purpose of colonizing the earth. Let's tell you, the culture of heaven. And let me just tell you that as we go through this series and we break down each of these items, well, I've got four main things beyond this week that we're gonna break down that are gonna help us understand life. It's gonna help answer a lot of questions for you, not just about Christianity and not just about uh, 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 you know being a Christian and what this life is. It's going to help wrap so many things around for you of why things are the way that they are and the power that you possess and who you are in God's kingdom. And so I want you to lock in with me these next few weeks. I want you to, to make sure you're here uh, so that we can capture all this. Dr. Miles Monroe, he, he, he puts it this way, and I think we have this on a, on a slide as well. God wanted to extend the unseen to the seen, through the unseen, living in the seen, on the seen. I'm gonna break it down for you. God wanted to extend the unseen realm of heaven to the seen realm of the earth through the unseen spirit of a man that you cannot see, living in the seen flesh body on the scene of the earth. God desired. In essence, uh, you, you, you could call it God's big idea, God's original intent. This was God's purpose. This was God's plan all along was to extend the unseen realm of heaven to the seen realm of the earth through the unseen spirit of man inside of you that we cannot see. But, you, but, but that spirit must be living inside of a seen body, flesh, that we see right here, living on the scene. Every single one of those components are necessary to achieve God's plan. If we don't have the unseen spirit of man existing inside of a seen flesh body, guess what? You're not in this earth. I'll remind you that in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, he said that he created man. Man is defined as a spirit possessing a soul, living in a body. Y'all with me? Man, three-letter word, three word, man, is defined as a spirit being possessing a soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. Living in a flesh suit, a flesh body. That's man. Man. So guess what? The moment that God spoke that word, he removed himself from being able to rule in this realm. You got to catch this now. You got to see this. From the moment that he made that statement on, God had to use mankind to get anything done in the earth. And it's been that way ever since. I like to put it this way, if God had created man on any other day prior to day 6, man would have created create would have finished creation. Because the Bible tells us that God is a spirit. God does not possess a flesh suit like you and I. He 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 by making that statement disqualified himself from operating in this realm, the visible realm of the earth without using you and I. That's why when he wanted an ark built, he needed a Noah. That's when he wanted delivered, when he wanted to deliver his people, he needed a Moses. That's why when he uh, wanted to uh, uh, rule over his people, he had to find a king or a prophet or somebody that would submit to him. To carry out His will, guys. I'll take it a step further. When He wanted to save mankind from their sins, He had to find Jesus. Think about it, God. When man sinned, was in the greatest dilemma of His life. I'm the only one that can save man, but I'm the only. I am that's a problem. I can save man from here, but I can't do it down there unless I find a way to put myself and wrap it in flesh. And there you have Jesus. This is how powerful Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, and 28 is. This is what you were given. This is what mankind was given. Man was not a little pawn. Man was not just, okay, God, what do you want me to do? In fact, if you continue to look throughout Genesis chapter two, go to Genesis chapter two, verse eight, in the, in the next chapter here. We, we only have... Two, two chapters of perfection before it all gets messed up. So let's try to glean what we can from it. Uh, Genesis chapter two, in verse eight, in verse seven, it says, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Verse eight says, then the Lord God planted a garden in, uh, eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God placed man in this garden. God put man there. And the instruction was to be fruitful, to multiply it, to cultivate it, to make sure that it did what it was supposed to do, keep it in alignment. Guys, this is the thing, man was in control and in charge operating in this garden. Man did not need to go to God for anything. God provided everything. As long as Adam and Eve sought first the interest of the king and his desires, everything they needed was taken care of automatically. We don't see anywhere where Adam and Eve are struggling to, Keep a roof over their head. Struggling to find food, provision. Come on, all the necessary things that we strive for day in and day out. Sounds a lot like Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added unto you. That word added literally means you did not work for it. Now, obviously, I'm not telling you to go quit your job. Please do not go tomorrow to your workplace and say, I'm out, I'm just gonna seek the kingdom. Everything else will be added. That's not how this works. Let's get a little deeper before we start pulling the trigger on some of those things, amen? That's not what I'm saying. But man had one interest. Man had one goal. Extend the rule of heaven to the earth. Exercise dominion over this territory. Exercise my authority and my ability to rule over this territory, and God will take care of my needs. God will take care of my stuff. Everything that I have need of on a day-to-day basis, what I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear, where I will live, what I will do is all taken care of if I seek the interest of the King. But we know in Genesis chapter three, this falls apart very quickly. And let me just ask you this question real quick. Let me also define this. Man, Adam and Eve here in Genesis chapter one was never in man, Adam and Eve were created, formed out of the dust of this very earth and placed in that garden to rise their authority over it. They were never in heaven. Let me take it a step further. Adam and Eve were not wandering around the garden waiting for Jesus to come back through the clouds so they could go to heaven one day and be with God. Their only interest was to take care of this territory. Their only interest was what does the king want done in this realm? What is he doing there and how can I do it here? Period. today man is way too captivated with going to heaven rather than bringing heaven to the earth and we'll we'll dive more into this and we'll break this open because it's going to answer a lot of questions i'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven that's absolutely not what i'm saying I'm, I'm not up here to give you some kind of heresy or you know blow everything that you've believed all your life i'm just trying to help you understand the intent and the design, and what God's purpose was from the very beginning. And anytime you wanna discover the purpose for something, guess where you gotta go? The beginning. You know how far back we usually go? Matthew. That's only halfway there, guys. There's still a whole nother section called the Old T, the Old Testament. We gotta get all the way back to the beginning if you really wanna find the purpose for something, amen? Amen. You gotta go to the beginning. And so we're at the beginning. And in Genesis chapter three, man is striving to bring heaven to earth. Man is saying, what's he doing there? How can we do it here? We're gonna operate this domain. But verse one says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of, the freedom, but, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Let me stop right there real quick. We saw in Genesis chapter two, there, there were instructions given to man. Guys, in paradise, there was work to do. It's not the paradise we think of. It's not the paradise, we, oh, I just wanna go and sit on the side of a beach. They weren't just laying around in the grass naked eating fruit, just enjoying each other's company saying, oh man, isn't this life just phenomenal? They're working. I mean, Adam had to name all the animals. That's a job. And apparently he got wore out with it because we got some animals with some jacked up names. And he was just like, I'm so over this (laughs) stuff we can't even pronounce. Next, next. He's working, they're they're working not to toil and, and, and wear themselves out. We find later on that as a result of their sin, toiling comes in, the sweat of their brow, but there was a job to do, guys. There's work to be done. There was an assignment on their life and there was instruction given. Do not eat of this tree, lest you will surely die. Well, Eve responds, she responds, inappropriately, but that's for another message. She says, you shall not eat it. (laughs) You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. I mean, that's just like a a woman expounding and expanding on the words that were given. I, I just needed the basic. I didn't need you to break it down and get all crazy with it. Just give me the simple form. Started all the way back in Genesis chapter three with the first one. But let me call out the men real quick. If, if you go back, God gave the instruction to Adam, not Eve. So we can just as much blame it on Adam for not translating it down to the female properly. Now, let me be specific. He didn't say anything about touching it. He just said, do not eat of it. So don't throw that in there. All right. Now that I got everybody mad at each other, we keep on going here. You shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. But let me do enhance this, guys. There's a reason why that's important. It's important for us to know the word of God for what it is and do not add or take anything away from it because the enemy will come to question the very word and where we have ignorance is where we get defeated. The Bible says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The command was, do not eat of this tree or you will die. So what happens is, is when she goes to touch it, nothing happens. She thinks it must be okay to eat it. No, we need to know what the word of God says. Because in verse four, the, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they, and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, here's what we want to understand. First off, I want you to see the power in the fact that there was an enemy in this earth realm the whole time. God is not concerned about his enemies. Not once do we see any warning given to Adam and Eve. I mean, I mean, if I was Adam, I'd like a little heads up, <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, there's this weird, creepy thing crawling around everywhere, and he's trying to get us to question your word. But God didn't even need to give him any warning. God didn't say, "Hey, if he ever shows up, you just come get me." He didn't say that. Why? Because God knew if you simply adhere to my word, he can't touch you. If you simply resolve in your life to do exactly as I've commanded, no more, no less, nothing can come against you. Nothing can stop you. You are in charge. You have dominion. I put you in that garden to take care of it. If there's anything in there that doesn't belong there, get it out. That's why you're there. You ever gone to your boss and asked them to do something and they responded and said, you do it. You ever gone to a parent and asked them to do something that you were capable of doing? No, in this instance, there was no need to go to God. There was no need to call, oh God, save us. Just simply do the word of the King. Simply do the word that God spoke. They didn't need a shovel. They didn't need a gun. They didn't need to, to, you know, 10 steps to killing a snake. They didn't need any of this stuff. They just needed to adhere simply. And it's still the same today. Now here's why this serpent approached Adam and Eve. Because this serpent was... Satan, Lucifer, the angel of light in heaven with God and he rose up in power and he wanted God to submit to him, bow down and serve him and wanted to take everybody with him and God cast him out with the third of the angels. It's the first church split. (laughs) Even in heaven, there was a church split and he took people with him and Now this serpent sees these two individuals walking in this garden and they look a whole lot like the guy he just tried to overthrow there. Same likeness, same functions. They sound like him, look like him, talk like him, act like him, react like him. They're doing the same stuff down here he was doing up there. So if I can overthrow them, that's just as good. See, the enemy knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He knows where you came from. He knows what you're capable of. He knows what your potential is. He knows your purpose. He knows your plan. He knows your destiny. He knows that he is more afraid of you than you are of him. And he knows that if I can deceive you, I'll keep you from walking in anything that God has already provided for you. The next thing we have to understand about this opportunity here in Genesis chapter three is that the serpent, the devil, the enemy, he understands the power of rebellion. There's two extremely dangerous words in the kingdom, in any kingdom, and especially in the kingdom of God. The most dangerous word in the kingdom of God is independence, independence, Dr. Miles Monroe, he, he, he brought this message to the United States in the early 1990s. And, and he said, I can preach this all over the world. The America, uh, the United States of America is the hardest place to teach it because it combats all of their thinking and all of their governmental thinking. God, I mean, if I make this statement right now, God's answer for the world today is government. How does that make you feel? Yeah, because you're relating it to your idea of government. You're relating it to our Americanized government. You're relating it to our American thinking, our our democratic republic society, where we get a vote, we get a say, we get to do this and we get to do that. And nobody in this room on a natural level would want to be ruled by one person that can call all the shots and we simply submit to that person. No, because that person isn't love like God is love. He doesn't just have love, show love, give love. He is love. And the only way a kingdom and a king can operate accurately is if they are love. Where they literally have the best interests of the citizens at heart. Do you know God has your best interest at heart? When he corrects you, he loves you. When he challenges you, he loves you. When he tests you, he loves you. When he blesses you, he loves you. When he gives you what you prayed for, he loves you. When when he's showering you, he he loves you. It's all executed from love because he is love. He's incapable of anything else. Most dangerous word in the kingdom is independence. The second most dangerous word in the kingdom is rebellion. Rebellion. And so what happened here, this enemy, this snake, he's cunning, he's crafty, he's a deceiver. He recognizes he can't steal man's authority. Have you ever tried to steal authority? Doesn't work out real well just walk into a place and say, I'm in charge now, listen to me. You're in charge until the person in charge shows up. It's difficult to steal authority. Authority must be given, must be handed down or handed over. The only way I can be in charge is if somebody places me in charge. God's the only one that can self-rule. God's the only one that can self-exist because he created it, he owns it. He rules it, but man was put in authority, given dominion by God. Do you know you have to be given authority by someone who's in charge? I remember, you know, as an elementary student, when the teacher, if the teacher ever walked out of the room and she would say this, uh, Amber, you're in charge. And of course, everybody hates Amber from there on. Sure, Amber. Of course you would pick Amber, perfect little Amber. And then some kids would be like, hey, Amber, put me in charge. Even then we knew the only way I can be in charge is if somebody gives it to me. I can't just take it. So Satan realizes this. I can't just go down there and take that authority. It's gonna have to be given to me. And the moment Adam and Eve sinned, they rebelled. They enacted on their independence against God's will and God's authority. Guys, the devil did not steal the kingdom from Adam and Eve. They handed it over on a silver platter. They said, here you go. And now the Bible tells us that the devil... The enemy, he's the God of this world. He's the ruler of this world. Given to him. He didn't steal it, they gave it to him. Guys, understand this Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they did not lose access to heaven. They weren't in heaven. They lost access to the kingdom. They lost access to the kingdom of God. They lost access. To their ability to operate in authority in the realm that God had given them. We like to ask this question If Adam and Eve had never sinned, where would they be today? Right here. Right here. That was God's plan, it's God's design. God's original intent. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, we know they would have lived forever, even physically. We know that they would have remained in this territory, in this domain, continuing to carry out everything that we understand from Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. They weren't wandering around looking for heaven. Oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all get to glory. However the song goes, I don't really know. (laughs) No. They would communicate with the father, says that he would come down in the cool of the day and they would hear from the king and say, okay, what do you want me to do? What am I here to do? How can I carry out your initiative? How can I carry out your purpose? How can I carry out your plan? How can I extend your kingdom rule from heaven to the earth? That was their only interest. But when they rebelled, when they sinned, they handed over the kingdom. He did not steal it. It was given to them. Right away in Genesis chapter three and verse 14, skipping down just a little bit, God confronts this serpent, confronts Satan, He says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Without getting all into that uh, uh, tonight, you just need to know this. God immediately put into place a plan to get it back. God immediately wasted no time Put a plan in place. Guys, I want you to know something. Jesus is not plan B. Jesus is not, okay, that didn't work out, so let's send Jesus to the earth and, 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 and he's gonna die for our sins. Man, next week we're gonna really confront some stuff because I'm already out of time. But Jesus came for a different purpose, a different plan, not to get you there, but to get that here through you, to get the kingdom back into the earth once again, that's how, see, see, here's what we do. When man breaks something, we abandon it and get a new one. And so inherently we think that's what God did. The earth broke, Genesis chapter one, two, three, broken, done. So man, forget that. Let's just get everybody back up here to heaven with me. We put that same thinking and that same thought process on God. But that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's way of fixing what was broken in Genesis chapter three. His heart, his plan, his intention, his purpose, his design is still to get the kingdom of heaven into the earth through mankind. His plan to this day is still to extend the unseen to the seen, through the unseen, living in the scene, on the scene, to this day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com There you'll find our locations and service times